Hello, and welcome to the Christian Contrast podcast, where we talk about how following Jesus leads us to live differently than the world around us. And I'm joined by local global serving pastor extraordinaire, Troy Spillman. How are you doing today, Troy? Good. You said it right. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. It is, yeah. but we've gotten used to it, and you've That's become right. a huge part of this church. And so we are going to together be talking about where we as Christians find our sense of worth. Um, and what we're doing in this podcast episode and in some following ones is we're following up on themes that we're going through in our sermon series called Strongholds. Um, and so we, we had back-to-back weeks for the Stronghold series where one week we talked about um, the, the stronghold that I'm a good person, that I find my worth in being a good person, which the Bible blows up that stronghold. Um, and then the next week we talked about the stronghold of I need to love myself which scripture once again speaks pretty clearly on. Um, if, if you feel like you need some help on those, I encourage you to go back and listen to the sermons. But what we wanna do is we wanna delve deeper because there sort of is a question behind both of those weeks where we talk about how we all have a desire to feel a sense of worth and value and importance. Whether you're a Christian or not, that this is something that we all feel like we really need. We really need to know that we matter in the world. And we'll look almost anywhere to find it. In fact, I, I thought it would be neat. Maybe we would just start by saying, what What are some reasons why people lack a sense of worth and feel so desperate for it? Yeah, you know, the way I, at least I think about it for myself, like I look back at my past sin, or I look at my failures. I, I realize, I'm pretty aware that I don't add up. You know, I don't measure up to the standard that God would have for me. And even early in life, like, you didn't have to convince me I was a sinner. Like, I knew I was. You know, so I, I knew I wasn't making the cut. And then I compare myself to others, right? We live in a culture that's always just comparing. Oh, I didn't get as good a grade as this person. I'm not as athletic as that person. And so there's always, like, I'm not just measuring up. So just add it to the list. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of us that connect with what you just said, where we do have that sense. Even people that we might perceive as having it together and really being confident, um, often that's a front. And there is a sense of just uncertainty about who am I in the world? Um, I, I was thinking on top of what you were saying, I was thinking sometimes it's just that we're looking at the world. And even if we don't uh, especially feel weighed down by guilt and shame, we just have the fact that it doesn't seem like most of us are terribly important in this world. Um, I, I was talking to this lady, you might've been there. It was, um, it was the day before the recall election. And so this lady had come to help set up because we were going to be a voting center for that. And I was just chatting with her and she said that, uh, she lived out in Joshua tree. And that was a connection because we used to take the family out there the day after Thanksgiving and we'd look at the stars. And so I was telling her about that. And, uh, she made this comment that, yeah, when, when you're out there and you're looking at the stars and you don't have all the lights around so you can see them clearly. It just shows you how insignificant we are. It, it just shows you how much we just don't really matter. Um, and and I sort of, I think she had said something about a church background. And so I felt comfortable saying, you know, like, yeah, I, I agree. It shows how small we are, which makes it that much more amazing that God even cares for us. Um, and she was polite, but she didn't really, she didn't really pick up on that. It, for, for her, she didn't seem to be saying, wow, our smallness shows me that it's amazing that God loves me. I don't think she had that second half. I think she just had that sense of my smallness shows me that I just don't matter. And I just thought, how sad to live with that reality. As Christians, you know, we, 
We look at Psalm 8, you know, God, what is man that you're mindful of him? When we look at the moon and the stars, but we have that belief that we do matter. How sad if you correctly say, I don't really matter in the vast universe, but I don't have a God then to turn to to give me value. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you just take the humanistic view, you know, somehow we just evolved, we just landed here, we weren't created by God, you really, your life really doesn't matter. Like yeah. there really isn't a purpose or point. We're just a bunch of atoms that happen to get formed together. How miserable a view is that, right? And, oh, yeah. And so you just think, I'm one of billions of people. You know, what do I really matter? Do I really make a difference? I think we all want to think, like, I actually have, I make a difference somehow. Yeah. We, we want to strive to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Just that sense of I matter in the world. I have some value. I have some worth. It's core. And, and like you said, we, we get battered. We get insulted. We get knocked around by the world. We have our own sin and guilt and shame. We're not famous. All, all of these things add up to the fact that we really have a problem that needs to be solved. Um, now, the, the popular way today that our culture looks, looks to solve this problem is pretty much through self-love. Um, now, now, you know, the short version of this is the Bible not only doesn't positively speak of self-love, but consistently warns about the danger of self-love. Second Timothy chapter three, warning about the, the degradation of mankind going further and further away from God. The first thing that Paul says is they are lovers of themselves. Um, we are constantly warned about this. So if we're Christians, we can't look to that, um, but but the danger is that we might look at that and say, well, it might be nice being a non-Christian where I could find my value there, but God says no. So what I wanted to talk about is not just, we we think it's established that Scripture says, no, that's not where you're looking. Um, but why is it not only unbiblical? Why is it dangerous? What are traps that we're likely to fall into if we follow this cultural stronghold of, I'll get my value through just loving myself? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, you know, but you think of, I call it the trifecta of misery, me, myself, and I, <laughs> you know, if I focus on myself, I'm ultimately going to be disappointed, you know, if I just kind of look inward, because I don't have that inward power, you know, in myself. Now, as I rely upon the Lord, that's a totally different story, but in myself, like, I'm not going to be able to do or produce the things I would want to. I'm going to fall short of that. And so um, a lot of times we're also just faced with our own limitations, you know, and that can cause depression. It's like, I, I want to be able to accomplish this, but I really can't on my own. And so uh, if it's just focused on us, you know, it's this miserable place that we kind of become the own boss, like, you know, you move God from the equation and we get to call the shots and it's a miserable place to be, you know, because we realize if we're truly honest, we don't have all the answers. Yeah. No, I, I think what you said there is is really the heart of why this is so dangerous. Um, we really, when we do this, we're probably not thinking that we're doing this, but we really are setting ourselves up as God. Yeah. Um, and and the emptiness of that, you know, um, Jeremiah 2.13, God God is speaking to the people who have who've picked up on idols and have wandered from him. And he says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And that's what I think of when I think of the, the whole self-love idea, where it's like, all right, welcome to a broken cistern. Welcome to just an empty well that can give you nothing. Because we really are saying, okay, I know I need a sense of value. I will put myself 
on the throne and decide that I have value, to decide that I have worth. Um, it, the Apostle Paul didn't even do that. There's something powerful that Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, where he talks about some of the Corinthians aren't terribly impressed by him because he's not a great speaker. Um, and he says, you know, I don't really care if I'm judged by you. I don't really care if I'm judged by any human court. And then he says, I don't even judge myself. He says, I could judge myself, and I don't think that there's anything that I've done wrong before God. He says, I have a clear conscience before God. But he says, that doesn't make me innocent. God's the judge. He says, I can declare myself I'm good. What does that matter? Only God is God. And so the idea that we'd set ourselves up as God is so empty. And beyond that, just on a practical level, I was thinking, if I, and it's hard to do hypotheticals like this, but I, if, I, if I was just a counselor, not a Christian, just thinking of trying to help somebody live their best life, um, the idea of saying to somebody, love yourself, you're setting yourself up for loneliness. Man, self-love and selfishness is not a great recipe for healthy, long-lasting relationships where people are going to want to be around you. Yeah, think about what that would do to your wedding vows. Yeah, <laughs> right? really turn that around. Yeah, it'd be, be miserable. Yeah, I promise to love myself and you <laughs> if there's anything left over after that. Uh, yeah, you, you get that part. Yeah. Uh, I was also just thinking of how we, we try to find worth in temporal things. What I mean by that is, you know, things we can pursue... Uh, but they're temporary. They don't last, you know, so there's going to be an expiration date on these things. You know, that could be, you know, focusing on our looks or our health. Well, we know there's going to be an age, you know, limit on there. Troy and I, right? one time, we're pretty decent looking fellows. Yeah, but, right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think of popularity. Uh, you think of friends and resources. You think of online presence. You think of your job status or possessions. All those things can really be gone like that. You know, so that's where we find our value. It's something that's just fleeting. It's like smoke and mirrors. You know, it isn't for real. And so how do you get beyond that? How do you look like, okay, what are things that are eternal that I can grasp on to? Yeah. Yeah. And, and let's go there next. We, we've, kind of, we've kind of done the negative side of this. We said like, all right, there's an idol that our culture has of self-love, of kind of giving your own self, your, your sense of value and worth. That's empty. It doesn't work. It's unbiblical. It's idolatrous. All, all of that is true. Now let's talk about this. As Christians, if that's not where we look, where do we look from a Christian perspective, from a Christian worldview to find this sense of worth that we so crave? Yeah, where the Bible talks about that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Like we're in the made in the image of God. Uh, there's a lot of great verses that even talk about this. But in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Just the idea that he chose us, it's not, not just by accident. It's not just a, a freak happenstance. It's like he chose us. He purposely wanted us to have a relationship with him. And he did the work to make that possible by sending his son. And so he chose us. And so that's something we can be like, yeah, I, I've been chosen. I've been chosen by the Lord that I have a relationship with him. And then he also talks about uh, a little farther in the same book, in chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance to do for us to do. And that word handiwork is poema in the Greek, where we get the word poem. 
where you kind of have this idea of like it's a masterpiece, one of a kind, you know? And so that's how he sees us. So if we had a glimpse and be able to start seeing ourselves how God sees us, I think it would change a lot. Yeah, and I love uh, I love that. And there there's so much there just in looking at the idea of our worth comes from the way that God has interacted with us. You know, when you were talking about being chosen, I couldn't help but just flash back to junior high. And I remember every lunchtime at junior high, we would all go play basketball um, at the courts outside. And uh, you'd have captains, and then you would just wait. And you would hope that you got picked. And I, I was not good at basketball. So I really remember just sitting there thinking like, oh, is somebody going to pick me? Or we have an odd number. Am I going to be left out? And I was always, I just always felt this deep sense of like, oh, good, I'm, I'm wanted when I was picked. We think of God doing mm. that, God choosing us, when like you said, he doesn't have to. What great relief and what great worth in the idea that God would do something like that for us. Yeah, where the whole idea that he chose us is really amazing. I think of, we've all faced that in junior high, right? Like, I don't want to be that last person. And then you're like, oh, it wasn't me. It was that kid over there. And then later, looking back, you're like, oh, I feel bad for that kid. That's you know? right. Because look, we all have this desire to be included. We want to be a part of the team. And I love that God says, yeah, you can be a part of my team. You know what the entry fee is? You need to believe. You're you're welcome in. Yeah, and it, and it's interesting because... When we talk about all those things, when we talk about, all right, where do we find our sense of worth as Christians? We're talking about, all right, we, we find our sense of worth in the idea that, that we are chosen, that we're adopted, that we're forgiven, that we're redeemed, that, that we're um, gifted, like you said from, from the Ephesians 2 passage. We look at all those things, and the thing that ties them all together is they're all things that God did for us. Yeah. They're not things that we did for ourselves. They're not accomplishments that we look back on and say, I know I have worth because... I ran a marathon or I ran a company or I, I did something that I can put on my resume. What we're saying is we find our sense of worth in something not that we created, but in something that we received. And the thing that strikes me about that is, is first of all, man, I, I love there. There are some mornings. Uh, well, well, most mornings I, I take a walk and I pray because um, I have a hard time praying when I'm not walking. I don't know. Um, but uh, sometimes when I'm doing that, I'll just reflect on these things that we're talking about. I am talking to the, how in the world did I get an audience with the God of the universe? How in the world am I standing before him, walking before him, praying for forgiveness and confessing my sins with confidence that he's forgiving me? How in the world can I call him father and think that he thinks of me as a son? I'm just in wonder of these things. It's glorious and it's also very humbling because we're glorying and we're finding our identity in something that we've received and in not something that, that we have accomplished. Um, and I even thought, you know, in, in our culture, there, there's lots of discussion about the whole concept of privilege. Um, and, and in my opinion, sometimes it becomes not very useful the way that people talk about it. But the general concept of it, uh, I think one of the reasons why it's tough to talk about is because it feels a little humbling to talk about our privileges. Um, like all of us in the United States, we're privileged. Like all of us are living more prosperous lives than most people throughout human history. You know, I, I grew up with a mom and dad and a stable, nonviolent, non-substance abuse home. And that's a privilege. I, I count that as a major pro privilege that I have that opportunity. 
Um, I had the opportunity to have a, a reasonable education, which is a privilege. We, we have these things in our lives that we didn't earn, that we didn't do. And it's humbling because sometimes we want to say, no, I did that. I want to look at my life now and say, well, I'm here because I worked hard and leaned in and overcame obstacles. And all right, there's some of that. But the idea of saying I'm privileged and before God, that's all we got. We don't have our accomplishments that we say, well, I convinced God to bring me into the family because I'd done some pretty cool stuff. We say God saw us in our utter sinful unworthiness and he snatched us from the fire and he made us his children. That's how we know we matter. Yeah, we're all undeserving. We don't deserve to be in his presence. We don't deserve to be called his children. I just love even thinking through the attributes that he has given us. You know, the idea that, that we've been chosen, we're part of the family, we're integrated in, we have a hope and a future. And the list goes on and on. I mean, it really is pretty amazing that we're given this. And our responsibility is to receive it. Yeah. Any of you want to say yes. Yeah, and that is something, just even as, as we're talking about this, and to those of you listening and, or, or watching, um, part of the thing that I know Troy and I would both encourage you to do is soak in regularly those realities. You know, we're, yeah. we're battered around by the world. We're battered around by the enemy who lies to us and accuses us, um, and sometimes accuses us because there is something to accuse us of. We do have sin. We do have failures. But the idea that we would be living regularly, you know, maybe, maybe you need to write down on a, on a sheet of paper or have something on your phone that just has these key passages that remind you of who you are in Christ so that you can reflect on that. And the ultimate result of that is not that we're arrogant. The ultimate result of that is that we're utterly humbled because our identity is something that we've received. And those gifts are something that we've received. They're not something that we can brag about, as, as Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What do you have that you did not receive? God is the giver, and we get to glory in the gifts. And then also, you talked about you know the, the temporary things that we look to for our source. These are things that we know aren't going anywhere. We're not temporarily God's children. We're God's children for the long haul. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of it. You know, is that uh, this isn't just for a week or a month or a year. This is for all eternity. We have this eternal hope in our relationship of who we are because of what God has done in our lives. Yeah. But we hear something related to this that, that I want us to talk about for a few minutes. And um, what you quoted earlier in Ephesians 2.10 actually really sets us up for it. The idea we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared for us. Uh, and it's alluding to a, a reality that goes, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4 brings up the idea of we are gifted by the Holy Spirit with unique gifts to serve the church family, first of all, and also in a sense to serve the world. We're, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. It's important that we interact with the gifts that God has given us because the church benefits, the world benefits, our families benefit from this. So here's the question that I want us to talk about. Um, is there a proper place for us to find a sense of worth in the unique contribution that we bring to the table without falling into the trap of bragging about something or comparing ourselves to others? Yeah, just this idea of who I am in Christ, you know, that I have a role to play, you know, and that the Lord has given me, he's given me certain attributes and gifts 
you know, you think of the gifts of the Spirit, you know, you think of uh, teaching and be able to serve others, and the list goes on and on of uh, how He's given us these different gifts, but they're not just for me to hoard, they're for the body, but He's given me certain attributes and gifts that I can actually glorify God in. And so to not to use those would actually be, you know, it would be like malpractice or it would be a neglect on my part is that he's given me a purpose here on this earth for a reason and he wants to use me. And so uh, to kind of say, oh, no, no, I don't have any gifts. I don't have, you know, like this false humility. Right. There, there's nothing spiritual about that. God has given each one of us attributes and gifts that we can use in such a way that honor him and hopefully build his kingdom here on earth because he chose us. He wants to use yeah. us to further his kingdom. Uh, he could use angels that are way more obedient, but yet he chose us, redeemed people that have all of our backgrounds, but yet he says, I want to use you to reach the world. And so we have these gifts that he wants us to put into play. Yeah. And I love what you said sort of about that, that false humility where, you know, I don't have anything to offer. Um, I remember hearing Chris Brown um, one time. He's he's one of the lead pastors at um, at North Coast in in the San Diego area. If if you've ever heard him speak, you know he's an amazing storyteller, just a, a very gifted speaker. And he talked about. He said, "Yeah, people come up to me and they say, wow, like you're such an amazing storyteller.'" And he kind of says, "I know. Can you believe it?" We think <laughs> that's, that's not the Christian script. <laughs> the Christian script is, "Oh no, no, really, I you know." But instead, he was just like, yeah, this is what God made me to do. And it's it's crazy. It's a gift that's received. And I think that there's something powerful in that. And and talking about this, that there's, um, when we think of it in terms of the body of Christ, you've used the analogy before, you know, how many of your body parts do you want working? You know, we want them all. And so there is this sense of with our bodies where we'd say, um, we, we, you know, a cup's about to fall over and we reach out and grab and we say, oh, good thing the hand was there right then. Like pretty important to have it there there's this appropriate sense of us being able to say, it actually matters that I'm around. Mm -hmm. It actually matters that I was there on Sunday. It actually matters that I'm serving and using my gifts because God has made us with a unique contribution. Um, and, and I feel like I'm constantly sort of wrestling between this sense of um, there, there's not a single one of us that's indispensable to what God is going to do. You know, if, if anybody would have seemed indispensable, it probably would have been Moses leading the mm -hmm. people out of Egypt, through the wilderness, he's going to lead him into the promised land. He sins, and God says, nope, you're not going. And you could just imagine all the Israelites just saying, we can't do this without him. We can't do this without Moses. And God says, nope, Joshua, you're up. And God gets it done. So none of us, you know, we, mm. we have what some people would say significant roles here um, at Life Bible Fellowship Church. If, if either of us died or had to be removed from our post, um, the church would be fine. God would take care of the church. Neither of us are indispensable. Yeah, that's right. And at the same time, there's this other sense in which we're supposed to act as if, if I'm not there, something that needs to happen is not going to happen. Um, and I know this, I'm sure this has happened with you, but I, I, I was thinking earlier about one time in particular, um, had a guy in my office, was really going through a difficult thing in his marriage, um, you know, was was not quite sure how to handle it. And things that specifically had happened in my life. Um, and in fact, I, I was flashing back when he was talking of ways that Karina and I were going through a similar thing. And I, for, for a long time, was blowing it and how I handled it and finally sort of 
got together and, and the Lord led me and being like, no, this is how I need to respond right now to, to bring repair and healing and take responsibility and all of that. Um, I was uniquely prepared for that moment. I don't know why he chose to talk to me, but he chose me as the pastor to talk to. And I was uniquely prepared at that moment to speak clear truth and instructions to him um, that really helped. And there's this weird way, it, it'll sound irreverent for me to say this, but there's a weird way in looking at that and being like, thank God I was there. Well, the only reason I had anything to offer is because all of the things that the Lord had brought me through in his work in my life, but there was a sense of being like, he didn't need to talk to just anyone. He needed somebody who had something unique to contribute right in that moment. And so I think that we get to experience that. We get to experience the joy of saying, oh, God, like you put me in this position so that I could do this, or you had me have this difficult experience in the past so that I could do this and find joy in the fact that God is uniquely using us through the things that he's had us through and through the gifts that he's given us. And that if we weren't there, it would have mattered. And so it does matter that we are there. Yeah, for sure. That's something that always kind of bothers me if I compliment someone like, hey, that was really great. I love how you led worship. And, you know, and the person might be like, no, no, don't thank me. Don't thank right. me. You know, thank the Lord. Well, I know ultimately <laughs> came from the Lord. You know, I know that you don't have to lecture me on that. I'm just trying to be nice and I yeah. appreciate uh, God use you. You know, what we should probably say is thank you. Yeah. And to check our own heart is probably good. And that's enough. Yeah. We don't even know it. Thank you is adequate in that situation. Yeah, totally. Just leave it there. Now, it could be good. Like, we could just kind of under our breath or even in our own heart. Like, okay, thank you, Lord. But you no, know, and ultimately it came from the Lord to give, to pass that on just in your own heart to keep that check, I think can be a healthy thing. But yet, uh, it's okay to say, saying thank you for that compliment. Yeah. You know, it's God wired us that way. Uh, there can't be this false humility that we can kind of have. You yeah. know, it's like, no, no, it wasn't me. It's like, well, God gave you that gift. We're grateful that he gave you that gift. He didn't give us all the gifts. Like no one has yeah. all of the gifts corner on the market. Now that could be a problem, right? But that's not the way it works. Is that hey, we're, we're a hand or a foot or our eye or a mouth. We all have different parts. And it's integral that we do our part. Yeah. You know, if one of the parts is missing, like as you talk about, like that's detrimental. You know, if I only had one eye, that changes how I even could drive or do normal functions. And so uh, the Lord wants all of his body parts working together. But I like this idea that the Bible assumes that we actually love ourselves. That isn't our problem. Right. We tend to right. actually have a self-love. We got plenty of love for yeah. ourselves. <laughs> you know, where Jesus says, you know, you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. What's he saying there? It's assuming that's already existing. That's already it's there. It's already existing, and it's really, really strong. Like, yeah. There's a lot of self-love there, so love your neighbor in that way. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, that's something that's just kind of there. It's assumed, you know, so uh, when I come to the place of realizing God has a role for me, I just want to be able to embrace that in humility and say, God, you gave this to me. And I want to honor you with it. Yeah. And I, I think that that may be a, a second, or I don't know if it's a second application point. God willing, we've had some others mixed in there. But just of us looking at this and saying, you know, if some of you who are listening to this are saying, I really... I really am struggling with this sense of worth and sense does it even matter that I'm here on this earth or as part of this church and say like, maybe what's going on um, is that you're not living out the purpose that God has given you. Maybe you're on the sidelines. Um, and we know that there are people who, um, who are sort of uh, living apart from Christ and, and looking just to, you know, sort of like exhaust themselves and find meaning that way. That's, that's not what we're talking about. But if we're not doing what God has made us to do, 
then it probably shouldn't be surprising that we are lacking that sense of what is my life about, where when we really start serving and serving for eternal purposes, we start to recognize it. It does matter that I'm there. If I wasn't there, nobody would have been talking to that kid when when he wasn't involved and able to bring him back in. If, if I wasn't there, there wouldn't have been somebody else playing guitar to help lead us all in worship in that meaningful way. So part of this may just be that we're sitting on the sidelines waiting suddenly to feel important where we'll really experience that value more and more as we do serve and use our gifts. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like we need to get off the sidelines. There's a role for us. I just think about if, imagine if everyone at the church was using their gifts, they were participating, you know, not just coming and right. checking a box, coming in Sunday morning, uh, which is good, but that's like a good start. But if everyone was working together to fulfill God's purpose here on earth, it would be amazing. Yeah. You know, you kind of think usually you hear uh, 20% of the church is 80% of the work. And uh, my years in the church, that seems fairly true. I think they're kind of ebbs and flows, sometimes different seasons. But if you had all the body parts, I just feel like the church would just be on fire. Amazing. I feel like there would just be such a radical turnaround. And so um, I think about just uh, uh, embracing what God has given us, you know, and running with it. Well, literally, uh, the story of Eric Little, he does that, right? Here's a, a Scottish competitive runner. I uh, used to actually be a rugby player too. And so he became a Christian missionary, but it started there with his passion to run because he just felt like God made him able to run fast. And so he ended up going ahead and winning the uh, 400 meter race, got the gold in 1924. And also his inspiration for the movie Chariots of Fire, which really is a great movie. It's but great. he says, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. I just wonder like, what if we all embrace what God has us doing? And we actually say, yes, I'm going to trust him for that. He made me fast. I'm going to run whatever gifting he Give me a voice that I can sing. I'm going to do that to God's glory. Whatever it is that we do it all of our hearts for him and see what God would do with that. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thanks, Troy, so much for participating in this discussion and coming on so that we could dig deeper into this. Um, and thanks so much to those of you who took the time to watch or to listen. We hope that you found this valuable. We love interaction. So if you found this on YouTube or on our website or on Facebook, please do go ahead and leave a comment or a question. And you can also find past podcast episodes that we've done on similar topics. And we'd love for your engagement on those. So thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to The Christian Contrast. <laughs>